0: Healing begins with hospitality. That's our series. It's a challenge, I think, a call to action for the church to become a hospital for sinners. Hospital is the root word for hospitality. Healing beginning with hospitality are important words for this day and age because every person I know needs a place to belong. Every person I know in some way needs a place, a space, to know that he or she can have the cracks put back together. So I believe this series is a model for the way that we will conduct our ministries, our programs, think about worship, and the degree to which we will be the church on the outside of the glass, as Lucas aptly noted. And what that means is we have to begin seeing every single human being as a child of God created in God's image. We have to learn their name and invite them to be a part of a story bigger than his or her own. So healing beginning with hospitality, if you think about that in terms of architecture as a temple maybe, I believe that the holy of holies in that temple is a simple phrase, grace makes space. Grace makes space. And I think that grace makes space for a simple reason. It hinges on a word that, for some reason, we have given up. We forfeited it. We don't talk about it a lot. That word is conversion. Why is that? Conversion. Is it cliche? Is it taboo? Is it scary? Because of turn or burn theology, maybe? Conversion is a word we need to reclaim with seriousness, especially if we will take serious healing and hospitality, because every person I know needs to convert from brokenness to wholeness, to not only being a consumer with God's grace or of God's grace, but a producer, a sender, a giver of God's grace. That at the core of who we are as a church, it's not about membership, it's about discipleship. Friday, I had the privilege of officiating the wedding for Lee Hayes and David Herman. You just heard their names called out. Uh, It's an interfaith marriage. David is Jewish, and Lee, of course, is Christian and a member of our church. But it was one of the most beautiful ceremonies I've ever participated in as, as a minister. It was lakeside. It was peaceful, still waters. So I wanted to read in preparation for that wedding. I wanted to read about Jesus, who was Jewish, in case you didn't know, and the time that he attended a wedding himself. And so I went to John chapter 2 in Cana of Galilee. And I read a commentary about Jesus visiting Cana, and the writer said something about that text that resonated quite boldly with me. In Cana, where Jesus attended a wedding, two conversions, there's that word two conversions happened. One, water was converted into wine. It was Jesus' first miracle. We talk about the waters of friendship becoming the wine of love, the inebriating wine of love. But there was a second conversion as well because Jesus turned from guest into host. That conversion, friends, the latter of the two, is at the heart of the gospel and is part of God's mission here on earth. Oftentimes, We miss that about hospitality, this conversion, this shift from guest to host or uh, stranger to like a child at at home, as the choir so beautifully just sang. That is because hospitality for us so often is host-centric, if you will. But there's a difference in cultural hospitality and biblical hospitality because at the core of biblical hospitality is missional conversion. That's why we do it. And when practiced authentically, there are no lines. There are no distinctions. There are no walls. There are no labels between guest and host. So when we offer a cold cup of water to someone, the lines between guest and host, they just fade away. We are representing Christ in that moment. We are representing Christ by hosting what someone needs, but we receive Christ only when we're willing to make a little room, enough room for the least and the last and the lonely in this world. And so I've been thinking, what does it require of me? What does it require of us to offer a cold cup of water for the purpose of healing and, and hospitality. Well, first of all, uh, it requires being intentional. I've been mean, thinking about it. I don't I don't carry cash with me uh, when I'm out and about. I just, that's just my practice, I guess. And so when people who have needs in the community come to me and say, hey, I need a few bucks and I don't have cash, I'm left standing there saying, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to respond to the situation? And I know that you have been in those cases because we've talked about it before. So periodically throughout the year, what I will do um, is I will try my best to carve out time to assemble what's called a blessing bag. Now, I would love for us to have a Matthew 10 blessing bag ministry right now, okay? So if you feel the Holy Spirit nudging at you, go and do it, all right? So what's in that blessing bag are some hygiene items and some snacks, you know, maybe a, a small little gas card if they're traveling, but something as simple as a cold cup of water. When somebody says, hey, I need a few bucks, I say, I don't have, I don't have any money. What I can give them instead is a blessing bag in the name of the church and in the name of Jesus Christ. So it takes some planning to do that. It takes a little bit of sacrificing my finances and my time to assemble those bags. But there's another part of it that I've been thinking about this week when somebody needs something as simple as cold water, and that is the reach, because to to offer a cup of cold water, to extend a cold cup of water means that two human beings are reaching one for another. And Jesus said something about when two or three people gather, maybe even around a cold cup of water, that he is there among them. I just can't help but think that in that liminal space, something as simple as water becomes as inebriating as God's grace, like wine maybe. That somehow in the reaching for another human being and and that person reaching for us, the lines of distinction, the labels, the harmful labels, it all falls away. And we can't tell who is the guest and who is the host, who is giving, and who is actually receiving. If you want to do something fun this afternoon, I would encourage you to go back and read the entire 10th chapter of Matthew's gospel. He doesn't start with something as simple as a cold cup of water. The first part of the gospel, he sets a high bar for discipleship. It's tough. And he's talking to these super disciples that we might label as um, apostles. You know, you hear about those, that inner circle. And what he says is, You will heal the sick, you will raise the dead, you will cast out demons, you will take up with the lepers, and you're going to go from house to house, to village to village, to town to town. You're not to take any money with you or any possessions. Sometimes people will receive you and take care of you. Other times they will spit on you, ridicule you. They might even beat and and flog you. And when you bring this message of inclusion, the inclusion of God's grace, grace grace-making space, When you go into the margins of society, it's going to be like bringing a sword. And so fathers and sons will be divided, and daughter-in-laws and mother-in-laws will be divided. It might divide whole households and whole communities to hear that there's no distinctions in Jesus' kingdom. And so following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. It's not casually Christian or comfortably faithful. So who's in? When you think about membership vows, when, when I baptized Archer just now, I wonder if he has any idea the scandalous grace that is at work in his life, nudging and poking and prodding him and trying to get his attention, grace already making space in his world as he will for so many others. We tend to say, Lord, I can't live up to that standard. That standard that you mentioned in Matthew chapter 10, it's too high, to which Jesus basically says, well, then just give them a cold cup of water. Find someone who's thirsty and give them something to drink. Make enough space in your schedule to give water. Make enough space in your budget to purchase it. Make enough space in your comfort radius to allow another human being into that sphere for just a moment, long enough to know that they're loved by God, by another human being. Do you know that hymn, There's a Bomb in Gilead? Do you know that hymn? I love that hymn. And I've gravitated toward one of its lyrics this week. If you cannot preach like Peter, if you cannot preach like Paul, oh, you can tell the love of Jesus and you can say he died for all. Peter and Paul are the two great pillars of the church, the great administrator of the church, Peter, the great evangelist of the church, Paul. We all need that in our discipleship, be a little like Peter and do something on the inside of the church. Be like Paul and do something on the outside of the church. It's good discipleship balance. But if we can't even do those things, if it's too high a bar, start with telling someone about Jesus over a cup of water. So I wonder oftentimes if we overcomplicate discipleship and missions and evangelism and all of these big churchy words when all it requires is a little space, a little intentionality, Little effort to extend a cup of water. Because I think that small acts of making space are channels of God's amazing grace. Small acts of making enough space for someone else are channels of God's amazing grace. So if you look back at what Jesus said, he said, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. In other words, when, when we go and become the water on the outside of the glass, we're agents of the Most High God. So I wonder if hospitality is not a matter of solely receiving guests into our midst, but also sending, that understanding the New Testament word hospitality, love for the other, love for the stranger, In understanding that, we are called to represent Christ to the stranger and to find Christ in the other. Do you think about your hospitality that way? Do you think about needing healing in that way? So I think from that perspective... If you think about Matthew's gospel as a whole, he has these sections that are missional sections. In this one, it is um, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, take up with the lepers, go and divide with the good news of Jesus. Later in Matthew 25, it's feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the sick and the imprisoned, and welcome the stranger in your midst. And Jesus says something in in that chapter that is so striking to me. He says, when you've done these things, these missional things, unto the least of these, you've done it unto whom? Unto Jesus. It's a cryptic statement, but it punctuates the missional sections of Matthew's gospel. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, give water, feed, clothe, visit, Welcome. And when you do these things, when you make that kind of space and put forth that kind of effort, we will find Jesus Christ in our midst. And so we have to think about a very interesting question. Who are those itinerants among us? The itinerant ministers among us don't have robes and stoles, they need water and they need something to eat. And they need to be heard. And when their voice is silenced, they need someone to stand up for them and to sit by them, as do we all. If we think about Jesus's life with me for a minute, and not in like the overly sensationalized version of his life that we have come to uh, believe. But if you think back, he was born to an unwed teenage mother and to an earthly father who wanted to get out of the relationship but decided not to at the last minute. And they became refugees, strangers on the run into Egypt for a little while. Jesus, um, he did stone masonry with his hands. He learned practical skills for a nominal living. As an adult, he did not have a job. He was homeless. He did not have any money. He had people walk past him and spit on him all the time, rejected him, talked ugly about him. They tried to kill him just to make the problem go away. And, and then he started this movement where he went into the margins of society and said poor lives matter and leprous lives matter and adulterous lives matter and embezzlement lives matter because Jesus knew that until oppressed lives and marginalized matter to everyone as they do to God, that no lives are really mattered at all by a human being. So what a friend we have in Jesus, right? Yes, in that he's willing to stand up and with and for the least and the last and the lost, as his body of Christ called the church should. And he is our friend as long as we're willing to acknowledge that that effort killed him for standing up for the least and the last and the lost and the lonely, those itinerant ministers traveling among us, and that Jesus requires his followers to make space for all the people this world says are the wrong people at the wrong time in the wrong places. One person said, in the role of the host, we find ourselves strengthened in our own faith by these little ones who carry no money or insurance cards in their purse. They cast themselves upon us, the church, in complete trust that we will be the disciples that we are called to be, that we are the disciples we are baptized and sent to be. And the irony in all of that is that we would never dream of discovering our Lord in those itinerant missionary strangers. Hmm. I was just thinking this week about the missional nature of of hospitality and that hospitals uh, for the sick are buildings. They're fixed places that we go to to be healed. But I think what Jesus does is he turns all of that inside out and builds a mobile healing hospital called the church where people come to find healing where it's so much more than just a building. It's about taking healing to the streets. And a cold cup of water has a way of doing that. But recently I've, I've been thinking and reflecting on the fact that my cold cup of water is is my mask. <laughs> that it's the simplest way right now that I can care for my neighbors, that I can care for strangers, that I... I can be in public and actually be with people. And it's my best shot at sharing God's love with someone right now in this moment where we're supposed to be apart. My mask is my cold cup of water. It's a means of God's hospitality for me to love other people, especially the stranger. And, and my heart hurts when something as simple as a mask becomes the spotlight of politics. I don't want this to become a label that we attach to someone who is genuinely trying to love her or his neighbor, what if instead it's a badge of hospitality because we care enough about the healing of other people's lives and how much we care for our community? Hmm. All of that to say that something as simple as water or a mask are very easy ways that we get to be little, Christ's the body of Christ in this world where grace makes space in receiving and sending where grace makes space in the pews on Sunday how many of you have ever um, had a couple come in just a couple of minutes late the processional has started and they've been held up in the narthex and and we need to make a little space we can do that we can make space and give them our hymnal and then invite them uh, to church Uh, The next week, invite them to lunch afterwards because healing begins with hospitality and grace makes space in that very practical way. Also, uh, on Wednesday nights around our tables when we resume, um, what does it look like to sit with someone you don't know or invite someone to join your group because we know that healing happens around a common table? Back in November, I did something in worship um, based on a gut feeling. Uh, a gut response. Um, I received a text message that week about a guy who had uh, lost his wife and some of our church members were his uh, neighbors there on their street. And so they invited him to church and they made uh, a little space for him on their pew because grace makes space. And he agreed to attend. And our church made enough space for him and his wife on our intercessory hospital list and we began praying for them. And when his wife died, He did not have any family here because he moved from several states over. But he had neighbors who were willing to say, come be a part of this family where healing happens. And so he needed healing and hospitality. So our Sunday concerns list uh, is typically reserved for immediate family members or family members of staff or church members, uh, of which this man uh, and his wife were, were neither. But Jesus said something about simplicity, the simplicity of just a cold cup of water or knowing someone by name, so I went with it. I went with loving the little ones among us who were struggling in that moment. So our cold cup of water collectively was a hospital list, a little space in the pew, and then calling out the name of, of his wife on that Sunday morning so that healing could begin to happen in his life. Do you know that the next week, Our church made a little bit more space, and he joined our congregation. And then a couple of weeks later, the choir made space. They slid over. They found him a folder. And for the year that he was here, he sang with us before moving back home. Grace makes space in all kinds of ways. That might not sound significant to you, but if you consider being in a different city and losing a spouse and coming to this neo-Gothic sanctuary where everything is traditional but is grounded in making enough space for one more person, that's a powerful thing, friends. The central message is simple. There's always room for one more person. Despite the scaffolding the construction, there's always room for one more baptism, one more child, one more youth. There's always room for another Sunday school class. There's always space for one more person in worship, one more person in God's kingdom. Because the thing is, we know that people shop a community to find a church, kind of like trying on a pair of blue jeans. And they ask, is this a good fit? Is it too tight? Is it too relaxed? And so with our new members and our guests, I often fear that I'm not upfront enough with them, especially in light of Matthew's words, because it should matter far less about whether or not this space is one of comfort. And more about being a part of a family that sends us out to make space in the world. That we are to be Christ's and to meet Christ's without fear and without a reward. We are called out and sent by these same waters of baptism for the sake of justice and peace. At whatever the cost is to our reputation, our family ties and But at the end of the day, we are reclaiming community over an ingrained sense of individualism. Because Jesus also said, those who love their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for the sake of Christ will find it. Grace makes space. It can happen in such simple ways, through water, through a mask, or through seeing somebody as a child of God created in God's image. And understanding, understanding their place in God's kingdom.